Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Check out the original DG Designs at David Gardner's Jewelers, 911 University Drive, in front of audio video. How could I die? by Alan Honda. Tomorrow, we go behind the keyboard with legendary author John Feinstein. Uh, That is tomorrow on the program. Um, On this date, it's an infamous date in the state of Texas history, 1966. Um, 56 years ago, Charles Joseph Whitman climbed to the observation deck of the tower on the University of Texas campus, uh, killed three people on the way to the deck, killed 11 others, and injured 31 more until he was finally killed on that day in 1966. Six years ago, on the 50th anniversary of the shooting, I visited with author Monty Akers, He wrote what I think is the definitive book on that incident called Tower Sniper. And I thought I'd replay it for you again this afternoon. On the Polaris Fun Center phone line with author, uh, writer, broadcaster, and all-around raconteur and good guy, John Feinstein. Uh, John, thank you so much for doing this. And and I'm just always fascinated to learn the history of of how you got to where you are. Now, I read your book, but I know a lot of our listeners, for whatever reason, didn't. (laughs) I know a little bit of your story. So when you started out, I know you started pretty young in this business. Yeah, I did, Chip. As a matter of fact, today, uh, June 20th, is the 45th anniversary of my first day as a summer intern at the Washington Post. Wow. I was 20. Um, I remember it like it was yesterday, uh, and vividly. And I remember being terrified and incredibly fired up at the same time. And uh, I'm still friends with a lot of those, those, my fellow interns from that class in 1977. Uh, in fact, we had a 40th anniversary uh, of the group uh, five years ago. And I was lucky because even though I was a summer intern in sports uh, that year, at the end of the summer, there were no openings on the sports staff, but I was hired to be the night police reporter, mm. uh, which turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to me professionally because my editor for most of two years was a guy named Bob Woodward. <laughs> and that was kind of like getting a Ph.D. Wow. Uh, in journalism, working for Bob. And to this day, 
uh, we're still friends, and he's been a mentor to me for this mm. entire entire mm. time. So I was incredibly lucky. At what point in your life did you make the decision, this is what I want to do, this is what I'd like to do? Yeah, it, it was my sophomore year in college. Okay. Chip. I had I'd gone to Duke as a swimmer, uh, broken ankle my freshman mm. year, falling down a flight of steps, sober, embarrassingly <laughs> enough, uh, and started working at the student newspaper, The Chronicle, while my ankle was, was healing. Um, and really, really liked it. Uh, and, and I, you know, I grew up. I learned to read reading the New York Times in New York City because mm. uh, it was always on the front step of our apartment at seven in the morning before my parents got up. So I would struggle through to read because I want to know how the Mets did, and then how the Jets did, <laughs> and the Knicks, and the Rangers. And um, so and the newspapering was kind of in my blood to a in a sense. My mm. dad, when he was in the army, worked for Stars and Stripes, ah. uh, so it was there. And I liked it right away. Um, had a crush immediately on on my editor, uh, <laughs> a, a girl named Susan Carroll Robinson. Ah, oh, that's okay. That's yeah. where Susan Carroll comes from. Exactly right. And Susan Carroll, my character, uh, is a minister's daughter from Goldsboro, North Carolina, as was is Susan Carroll <laughs> Robinson. And uh, Susan Carroll Robinson, who is still a friend of mine to this day. Loves the character because she always wanted to be tall. So, so it worked out well. <laughs> you know, this is why I do these things. I never knew that before. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it, it, it's funny because I based a lot of my fictional characters on people I knew Yes. Um, as a kid. You, you, I remember you saying, because I had a character in, in, in one of my books, Foul Trouble, uh, who was a point guard named Danny. Uh, and my my son is Danny, mm. and uh, Danny, like me, as you said when we talked for that book, Danny's got a mouth on him. <laughs> well, I've always had a mouth on me, um, so um, I, I, I always I've always done that with my fictional characters. I've also worked in real characters. Nice, yes, absolutely. Uh, and and you can tell if someone's fictional in the books because the bad guys always have fictional names because <laughs> they don't want to get sued. Yeah. Um, but uh, I knew by my sophomore year that uh, this is what I wanted to mm-hmm. do. Uh, I assumed I would start my professional career when I graduated somewhere in North Carolina. I did a lot of stringing for mm-hmm. papers down there mm-hmm. while I was in school. But I did apply for the post-summer internship. My, my parents had moved from New York to Washington while I was in college. Oh, okay. And and so I was seeing the Washington Post all the time. In fact, I was able to buy it on campus at Duke every morning. Mm. Uh, and I became enamored uh, of the paper. And, of course, it, this was in the middle of Watergate. Yes. And the, the first day that I read all the President's Men, I've, I don't know how many times, but the first day the movie came out, which was my junior year, uh, I saw the movie three times. Mm. I went by myself to a noon showing in Chapel Hill, stayed for the 2.30 showing, Drove back to Duke, picked up my girlfriend. We went out to dinner, and then we saw the evening showing. <laughs> and she thought I was insane. Said, you know, you've seen it twice already. I said, No, no, we got to see it again. Um, and when I was first at the Post, uh, my desk in sports, I was assigned the desk of Robert Fischer, who was the hockey writer, mm-hmm. who had most of the summer off because he worked every day during hockey season. And that desk was, I don't know, ten feet away from Bob Woodward's wow. office. Wow. And wow. he would walk by me every morning and say hello or good morning, always polite. And I would kind of stammer back, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then the second week 
I was an intern, I quote-unquote broke a story. I was covering the local soccer team, the Washington Diplomats mm-hmm. of the long-since-forgotten long North American Soccer League, and they fired their coach. And I broke the story mostly because nobody else cared. <laughs> um, and, but it was June, and, and there was nothing going yeah. on. Washington didn't have a baseball team back then, uh, and the football team had not started training camp yet. So the, my boss, George Solomon, stripped the story across the top of the sports page as if it was a big deal. <laughs> and that morning, Woodward stopped at my desk, and he introduced himself. He said, John, hi, I'm Bob Woodward. And I, my, my <laughs> instinctive <laughs> response was, no kidding, you're Bob Woodward. <laughs> But I said, it's very nice to meet you. And he said, great job today on the soccer coach. Nice. And I choked. <laughs> I absolutely choked at that moment, Chip, because my answer should have been, hey, yeah, thanks. Nice job on water. <laughs> but instead, I think I said something like humming, humming, humming. <laughs> well, I mean, getting, getting to start like that, not, not too many people get to start that way in the business. No, I mean, I mean, I mean it when I say I was incredibly lucky. I will say this: when I got to the when I got the internship at the Post, um, it was a huge deal for me to get that intern. Yeah, and I told my girlfriend that summer. I said, uh, "We're not going to have any time to go out. I'm just going to work. Yeah, I'm going to make these people hire me. I'm going to. I'm going to because interns didn't get hired sure. very often. Sure. But I, I'm going to make it impossible for them not to hire me. And there was a Sunday in July, Chip, when I had five bylines in the sports. Wow. And uh, you know, I was beginning to suspect that people were noticing me. Mm-hmm. And and the key moment for me was I did a story on the Fourth of July. Uh, it was one of those you know holiday assignments you're given to fill up the paper. Yes. And it was supposed to be on recreation in D.C. on 4th of July. And I, I found out that the D.C. Department of Rec was going to open 10 rec centers, supposedly, on the 4th of July. So I decided to go to the one in Anacostia. And I got there, and there was no sign of anything being open. Hmm. And I waited around a little bit, and finally this guy came. And I said, oh, you're opening the rec center. And he said, I'm just here to open the bathrooms. Hmm. And, uh, wow, so Anacostia had nothing going on. I went to an, uh, a rec center in Northwest, you know, a much more moneyed area, and they were having a parade. Yeah. And I wrote this story, and Len Downey, who was then the Metro editor and who eventually became the executive editor of the paper, came back to me the next day and said, I've just told my staff, that's the kind of story we need to be doing in Metro. Mm. And I thought, oh, well, I'm getting somebody's nice. attention. And eventually, like I said... They didn't have any openings in sports, but Len Downey had noticed me and asked me if I wanted to be the night police reporter. And, of course, my answer was, I'll sweep floors to yeah. stay here. Yeah. And, and so I became the night police reporter, went on and covered cops and courts in, a, in a, a suburb called Prince George's County right outside of D.C., uh, and that's when I worked for Woodward mm. and, and learned so much. Uh, to this day, I quote him all the time in terms of, how you do your work, how you do your job. Uh, and that, that was an extraordinary experience. But sports was still my passion. Yeah. So when I had the chance to go back to sports, much to Woodward's dismay, <laughs> uh, yeah. I went back to sports. He still hasn't quite forgiven me. It's been about well, I, I think you made a decent choice. I, I think you did okay he, with that. He admits that it, that it was. But the funny thing is a guy did a magazine piece on me, and uh, he talked to Bob. 
and Bob explained, described what had happened. And I had, he said to me, if you go back to sports, you'll never be heard from again. And he said, my answer was, blank you. This is what I want to do. <laughs> I, would, I would say that to almost anybody on the planet, Except Chip, him. but not Bob Woodward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so at what point did you decide, I need to write a book or two? <laughs> well, I, I think it's fair to say that any of us, who've written and who've been in, in the newspaper business what, want to write a book somewhere along mm-hmm. the line. Mm-hmm. And my good friend Dave Kindred, yes. who was a columnist at the time, tells a story about me sitting. We got to the Post on the same day, me mm. as an intern, he as a columnist, and I would sit in his office all the time. And he, he says that I, I sat with him one day and said, you know, by the time I'm 30, I want to be writing books and also be a columnist here. Mm-hmm. And he, he said he thought, this is the cockiest <laughs> kid who ever walked the face of the earth. And I might have been. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I wanted to write books at some point in my life. And I had a very good relationship with Dean Smith, mm-hmm. uh, which is a little ironic since I went yes. to Duke. And, but he and I always, he was great to me all the time. And after Carolina won the national championship in 82, um, the Michael Jordan shot mm-hmm. and, and, and the uh, uh, Fred Brown pass, uh, I, I wrote him a letter. And I had written a long piece on him in the Post the year before. And uh, I said, you know, you've won a national championship. I'd really like to write a book about you. And he called me. And he said, I'm just not ready to be as honest as I think you'd want me to be mm-hmm. in a book. And he said, I want to coach for a long time, a lot more years. He yeah. coached 15 more years. Um, but someday, maybe. Hmm. And so, okay. You know, it's, but it was funny because he said to me, I feel badly about this. Can I, do, can I get you some tickets? <laughs> and I, I was like, Dean, I don't really need any tickets. But, so uh, the, the idea was in the back of my head. Yeah. And uh, I, ha- I covered Bob Knight's Olympic team yes. in 1984. And God, Kindred introduced me. Kindred was one of Knight's guys. Mm, mm. So because of that, Knight gave me some time and, and, and was good to me. Yeah. And the, the next season, which was the year he threw the chair, uh, I showed up un, uh, uninvited, un anything, on his doorstep, literally, in the middle of the season. My, my boss, George Solomon, said, look, he likes you. Just go out there. So I did. And I knocked on his door at 3.30 on a game afternoon and, and thinking he wouldn't be there, that I might see an, find an assistant. And Bob was there alone. Hmm. And he looked at me and he said, John, would you ever show up on Dean Smith's door, doorstep this way on a game day? And I said, no, but if I called him, he'd probably say, come on down. And I figured if I called you, you'd, you'd hang up on me. Mm-hmm. So he laughed and let me in. And he sat and talked for the next three hours wow. about that season. And it was three days later that he threw the chair. Mm. And I wrote a very long piece about everything going on during that season and why he was so frustrated. And I said in the piece, you know, he threw a chair. That was the lead, obviously. Um, But on a scale of 1 to 10 among the crimes being committed in college athletics today, it's about a 3. Yeah. And he called me. Usually when someone calls you after you've written a story on him, it's to complain. Yeah. But he said, listen, I really appreciate your, you know, telling both sides of, of the story and, and being fair to me. And, and I said to him, I was able to do that because you gave me such great access the couple of days I was there. Because I was in the locker room mm-hmm. before the game. Everything I ended up doing on se- during season on the brink, I did those couple days. Mm-hmm. And uh, he invited me to a dinner 
that he always had with his friends at the Final Four. This is in the days when the Final Four was a civil thing and the games were played in the afternoon. Yes. And uh, he invited me to dinner, and it crossed my mind, hmm, he's inviting me into his inner circle. I wonder if he'd be willing to do that Mm. for an entire season and if there's a book there. And so after dinner at the Final Four, I said, Bob, have you got a few minutes? He said, sure, come on back to the room. He was rooming with the great Pete Newell. Wow. And Mike Krzyzewski was in the room, too, because they were doing a clinic together the next day. And after Bob and Mike finished talking about the clinic, Bob turned to me and he said, what can I do for you, John? And so I threw the whole idea out at him. And he said, well, do you have a publisher? I said, no, Bob, I didn't think there was any point getting a publisher until I talked to you. He said, well, that was good thinking. Hmm. And finally he said, yeah, if you can get a publisher, come on out. Hmm. Mike and I walked out the door. The door closed. Krzyzewski looked at me and said, are you out of your blanking mind? <laughs> he said, you're volunteering to spend a season with him? I said, well, you played for him for four years. He said, yeah, I needed to go to college. Last I looked, you've been to college. Hmm. And, and, uh, and, and uh, I said, well, you worked for him, too. He said, yeah, I needed a job. Last <laughs> I looked, you have a job, a pretty good one. <laughs> and I said, yeah, but I want to do it anyway. Long story shorter, wow. five publishers rejected the idea. And the sixth one, Macmillan, offered me an advance of $17,500, <laughs> which was a pretty considerable pay cut yeah, well, yeah. from what I'd been at the Post for eight years at that point. Yeah. And uh, but I I did it anyway, and you know the rest of the story. And how long after the book did it take for Knight to talk to you and acknowledge you? Eight years. Eight years. Eight years. Um, when when the book uh, I sent it, uh, copies of the book to the basketball office, you know, before it was yes. actually published, and I got a call from the late Royce Waltman, who was on the staff at the time, and he said, "John, this is your official phone call. Coach is pissed." Mm-hmm. And I wasn't at all surprised because that's that's not who Bob Knight is. He wasn't going to call me and say, "Oh, you did a great yeah, job." Yeah, he was going to find something wrong with the book. And I said, "Okay, Royce, what is it?" And he said, "Well, Coach is upset because you left his profanity in the book." Oh, good gosh! And I said, "No, seriously, Royce, what's he really upset about?" He said, "No, that's it. You were supposed to take his profanity out." And and Bob and I had discussed it. Because I I had said to him one night at dinner that this is going to be the first sports book that came wrapped in a brown paper pack mm-hmm. paper uh, package. Mm-hmm. He'd gone crazy that day, and he laughed. And he said, "Well, you're not going to leave all my profanity." And I said, "Of course not. I want the book to be shorter than War and Peace." Mm-hmm. But you understand that a book about you without the word blank right. would be like a book about you without the word basketball. It's part of who you are. I said, oh, yeah, I get it. Well, the thing about Knight, you have to understand, is he's pathological. And he, I was married to a pathological liar mm-hmm. for 18 years. And the thing you have to understand is they honestly believe their lies. Yes. And he, I'm sure he honestly believed that we'd had a conversation in which I had agreed to leave his profanity out. Mm. And, 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 of course, we, we had a conversation, but that's not what I said. I would never have said that because as I said to him that night, if I write a book with a, about you and it doesn't include profanity, people are just going to say, well, Knight left Feinstein in the locker room and he wrote him a love letter, mm-hmm. and the book won't have any credibility. He said, yeah, yeah, I get it. Well, except he didn't get it. Yeah. So he was sure. mad. And eight years after the book came out, I was in Hawaii covering Maryland, and I was walking with Gary Williams through the hotel lobby, and Indiana was playing in the tournament, too. And Knight and a buddy of his were walking through the lobby at the same time, and our paths crossed. And I remember Gary saying, "Uh uh-oh, here we go. And Bob turned around and started talking to me like we'd last spoken Mm. the the day before. Mm. 
except that he said, hey, I hear you became a dad. How's that going? I mean, could not have been more wow. friendly. Mm. And we spoke for a few minutes, and then they went their way. We went our way. And I remember Gary saying to me, after all the names he called you, why would you speak to him? And I said, because he built my house. Yeah, exactly. And because he's been <laughs> on the brink, obviously. Uh, not only made me a lot more money than I ever dreamed beyond that $17,500 um, uh, advance, but more important, Chip, it gave me the freedom to pick and choose my topics. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and absolutely. I've been very lucky to be able to do that really my entire career. And uh, you have informed me that your next project is going to be uh, the great David Faraday. Yes. I, David and I have been friends for a long time. Uh, he's like no other athlete I've ever known, and people forget he was a very good golfer. Yes. Won five times in Europe, was on the famous Ryder Cup team in the war by the shore. Yep. Iowa beat Payne Stewart in the singles. Mm. That's how good a player he was, and he had to start to have back problems. Mm -hmm. But David, you know, grew up in, in, in Northern Ireland during the Troubles. He was a functioning alcoholic for many, many years, went through a horrible divorce. Uh, his oldest son died of a drug overdose yep. five years ago. I mean, he's been to hell and back. Yes. And yet retains his remarkable sense of humor. The and two, two, two near-fatal bicycle wrecks. Three, actually. Oh, three. Okay. Three. Yeah. Three, and as you know, he lives in Dallas, yes. not that far from you. Yep. Um, but he uh, he has a remarkable attitude towards life. Uh, he's brilliant. The two funniest people I've ever met in sports are Jim Valvano and David Perry. Mm. Wow, hands down. Wow. And David and I had talked for a long time about the possibility of doing this book. And the great thing was when we when we finally agreed we were going to do it last year. I said to him, I said, look, I'll do this book any way you want, but I'm a great believer that if you write in the third person, I can do a lot more reporting and it'll be a better book. And he said, of course, we'll do it that way. Mm. So it's a biography. It's not an autobiography. I just spent nice. uh, a week with him in Boston. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm about ready to start writing. And um, it's just, you know, my last book, Chip, was on race and sports. Yes. And it was an important book for me to do. And I'm thrilled I did it. I'm amazed how great the reviews have been. Uh, but that book was work. Yes, it was. Because yes. of the no subject question. matter. Yes. And this has not been work. Uh, that's Somebody's awesome. paying me to do this? Are you kidding? Uh, I, well, uh, first of all, I can't wait for that book to be out to read it. And then that'll give me another excuse to uh, to talk to you again, John. Well, you never need one, Chip. You know that. I, I, I'm uh, so thankful uh, and appreciative of the time that you gave. And uh, I, I really appreciate you being on with me, John. Chip, happy to do it. We've been doing it for a, a long while. time, and a I hope we while. continue to do it for a long time. Thank you, John. Thank you, Chip. My thanks to John Feinstein for going behind the keyboard with me on Tuesday. Jim Dent. Jim Dent on Tuesday. AAA, Overhead Door Company, has garage doors, parts, operators, and yes, fireplaces. Lynn will make you a great deal on one of those right now. Um... A warehouse full of the newest and best brands of garage doors, operators, parts, replacement parts. If your clicker's broken, you know that'll ruin your day. Call them up at 775-5199, 775-5199, or drop by the showroom on Wildflower Drive, just across Briar Crest from the Target Center. Say hello to the staff over there. Look around residential and commercial garage doors they do this every single day they are the first name 
and garage doors, parts, operators, and fireplaces. AAA Overhead Door Company. Seamless Home Products wants to protect your home and landscaping the right way. The only way to be a 30-year-old company with an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating is to always provide our customers with quality work and dependable customer service. We will not cut corners on materials or installation. Seamless Home Products guarantees you that our work will be the best, and years from now, we will still be here standing behind it. Call for a free quote on gutters or screened enclosures at 979-779-3400 or visit SeamlessHomeProducts.com. 30 years of local professional service. Don't fire up the grill this summer without a couple of links of Slovacic Sausage. Since 1957, Slovacic Sausage and Snook has been making the best-tasting sausage anywhere. Whether it's hickory-smoked pork or beef links, spicy jalapeno and cheese, hot links, summer sausage, or ham, Slovacic's will make any outdoor party special. Be sure to check out the store in Snook for the freshest meats and baked goods. And don't forget to stop at the store in West on I-35. Ask for the best. Ask for Slovacic Sausage. Sausage experts since 1957. This portion of the program is presented by West Webb, All Britain, and Gentry. Congratulations to West Webb, All Britain, and Gentry for receiving this year's Brian Rotary ANCO Lifetime Achievement Award. West Webb's uncompromising core values have set the standard throughout the state of Texas. In 2020, West Webb launched its own charitable organization called First Win to provide children with basic needs like food, clothing, nutrition, education, and health care. West Webb, All Britain, and Gentry. The 2022 winner of the ANCO Lifetime Achievement Award for Business. West Webb, you know us. Mallory is brought to us by Southwest Card World, and we have a very quick show because we've got Astros baseball coming up. But I, I had to get a couple of headlines in before okay. we do birthdays, Mallory. Of course. John Legend shedding light on his relationship with Kanye. The oh. 43-year-old singer revealed that politics dramatically altered their friendship we aren't we aren't friends as much as we used to be i honestly think because we publicly disagreed on his running for office his supporting trump i think it became too much for us to sustain our friendship it wasn't much of a friendship if politics gets in the way you know what i'm yeah, saying because i mean you can disagree with your friends thank you stay friends. not anymore not anymore <laughs> By the way, James Franco is coming back. He has been on a hiatus from acting. He's going to play Fidel Castro. Oh. Uh, yeah, and people aren't happy about it. <laughs> well, to be fair, James Franco's kind of grimy, but at the same time, you know. <laughs> yeah, there was some uh, misconduct with uh, an acting teacher or something like that, or two women or something. You know, there's always something. Yeah. And, <laughs> oh, my favorite actor, Keanu Reeves. Oh, Keanu. Going to, going to Hulu, starring in a TV adaptation of The Devil in the White City, nonfiction thriller about ambition, a killer at the 1893 World Fair in Chicago. Wow. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio had acquired the rights to the movie back in 2010. Uh, Marty Scorsese was involved, so we're going to see what happens here. We'll see. So well, we will. All right, uh, let's do birthdays. I said it was quick. <laughs> you weren't lying. I wasn't lying. <laughs> Actress uh, Lonnie Anderson. Yeah, turned seventy-seven. You know, she's a friend of the show. Oh, happy birthday! And and, and uh, she's she lo still looks very good. You go, girl. Yeah. <laughs> Director James Gunn is 56. 
Um, Rick Derringer is 75. Wow. Yeah, I know. Who else? Mm, um, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Maureen McCormick, 66. How about that? Mm, Good for mm. you, girl. Let's see. Terry Clark, 54. Okay. And Jesse Williams from Grey's Anatomy is 42. I don't watch Grey, mm-hmm. so I'm not sure which one he was. McSteamy, <laughs> McDreamy, I don't know. Um, something. Mix something. Tomorrow, uh, Peter Bonners uh, is 84 years old. He played the dentist in Newhart. Awesome. Uh, Let's see. Mm. And mm. Mm-hmm. I'm having a hard time here. Let's see. I'm trying to get any, a decent birthday. Any country tape. singers? Yes, Peggy and Patsy Lynn from the Lynns are 58 tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, we love our Knight. Lynn. M Night Shyamalan. Remember when he oh. was a really good director? He's just 52 tomorrow. He started really early. He was in his 20s when he made uh, I See Dead People, you know? Oh, so he peaked too soon. He he did peak too soon. There's no doubt about that. Solo Moon Fry. Moon Unit is 46. You know, Punky Brewster. 46 tomorrow. And I think that's all I got. So... Pretty weak. Well, if it's that. your birthday, happy birthday to you. Exactly. Happy birthday. Well, uh, we'll try again on Tuesday, or we'll be here on Tuesday. I don't know how hard we'll try, but I had <laughs> to wish everybody good golf, good tennis, or whatever makes you happy. Mallory is brought to us by Southwest Card World. Southwest Card World and the Tower Point Shopping Center behind IHOP is always buying, selling, and trading. Southwest Card World has the newest sports card releases from Topps, Panini, and Leaf arriving every week, plus a huge selection of Pokemon cards. Southwest Card World fosters a family atmosphere for kids of all ages to learn the art of collecting. Be sure to check out the bargain bin and the hard-to-find credit cards. Aggie-owned and operated, Southwest Card World, Tower Point Shopping Center behind IHOP. Just like your home's decor and the paint color on your walls, the flooring in your home is an expression of you. At Zorneman Flooring, our goal is simple. Help every individual client express their style with the very best in flooring, selections, price, and service. Whether you're in need of carpet, tile, or wood, Zorneman Flooring can create a unique floor made just for you. Call Zorneman Flooring at 776-2800. Express yourself with Zorneman Flooring. Click zfloors.net. This is Passport to Texas. Fall hunting season kicks off on September 1st with Dove. Teal is next with a 16-day season that runs from September 14th through the 29th. Last year, writer Pam LeBlanc took advantage of an invitation to go teal hunting with former Parks and Wildlife Executive Director Andy Sansom. She wrote about it for the current issue of Parks and Wildlife magazine. In the article, Pam admits that she is not a hunter and never imagined she'd find herself slogging through a wetland wearing rubber waders and shooting at teal. But she did and writes vividly about the experience. 
A funny bit is about a sticky-footed frog that spent the night in her waders, which she left on the porch at the Bucksnag Hunting Club in Garwood, where the hunting party stayed. She discovered the little fellow when they were in the truck headed into the field, and she writes, The frog shot out of my pants and onto the windshield, then ricocheted across the interior of the truck like a tiny spring-loaded pogo stick, jolting me awake. That would wake me up, too. Find Pam LeBlanc's article about her teal hunt in the August-September issue of Texas Parks and Wildlife magazine. You'll also find a recipe by Chef Jesse Morris for smoked teal and miso garlic butter sauce. Our series receives support in part from Ram Trucks, built to serve. For Texas Parks and Wildlife, I'm Cecilia Nasty. David Gardner's Jewelers is open tomorrow, 10 to 6. Go out and enjoy the weather and stop by and say hello to David and the staff over there. And while you're there, you might as well buy something, whether it's an original DG design, a piece of David Yerman jewelry, Rolex and Tudor watches, and so much more. Uh, Whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, Weddings, special occasion, upgrading the diamond on the wedding band, diamond stud earrings, pendants, necklaces. Um, And like I said, a lot of them are things that David has designed over the years. And there is some spectacular things in that little shop. So drop by and see him. David Gardner's Jewelers, 911 University Drive in front of audio video. Hey, Jude. Don't make it bad. Take a sad song and make it better. Remember to let her into your heart. Then you can start to make it better. All right, everybody, have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday. Mallory, uh, thank you to her and to John Feinstein and Will Daly. Astros baseball coming up next on The Zone. The minute you let her under your skin, then you begin to make it better.
Having chosen his running mate and his destination, meaning Kyrie and Brooklyn, and having it gone this badly, where is it he goes and wins again that we don't feel that well? He's not going back to OKC, where it all began, like LeBron once did. He's not going to go to Sacramento. He's going to go to some team that had a chance to win anyway without him and then win. So I don't think there's anywhere he goes that his legacy isn't tarnished by all this. So if he thinks Golden State is the best chance he has to win, and he wants them and they want him, and he likes them and they like him, which I didn't think was the case, but whatever, I don't know that his legacy isn't sort of cast in stone now, no matter what happens. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, weekday mornings at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio, and watch exclusively on ESPN+. The Bundesliga is back with every match on ESPN Plus all season long. This is astonishing. A refreshed roster brings new hope for Dortmund. Trying to pick somebody up and he succeeded. As they kick off their season against a young and talented Bayern Leverkusen squad. It keeps getting better and better. Dortmund, Leverkusen. Tomorrow at 12.30 p.m. Eastern. Coverage begins at noon on ABC, ESPN Plus, and ESPN Deportes. Legends in college football history, former Alabama coach Gene Stallings, who of course led Alabama in 1992 to a national championship and, and left a, a legacy and indelible print on that program that is still felt today. The coach Stallings, it's such a pleasure to have you on. We, we've all been uh, concerned about your health, and we hope you're uh, you're doing okay. Good afternoon, Paul. I, I really appreciate you calling. It's good to talk to you. Always love talking to you. I was concerned about Eli. Somebody told me that Eli was sick, Eli Gold, and something yeah. happened to him. Yeah. Thought you may even know about that. Yeah, I am concerned, Coach, and and, and we're we're trying to get a little more information. Uh, they announced yesterday that he would not uh, begin the season, and uh, really nothing else was was offered. Uh, and there is a lot of concern. So yeah, if I if I can pick up anything else, uh, I would call, I'll call you immediately. But I was hoping you could you could help us because I know I know how close you uh, you two have been over these many many years. Well, he's a pro just like you're a pro. Every time I've been on his show, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Same thing said about you, Paul, and it's a joy to be on your show. Thank you. Well, Coach, let me just um, let me ask. I, I read a couple of weeks ago that uh, you had had. Uh, I, I never want to say a major setback because you're you're a tough guy. But uh, how are you doing right now? You know, I'm doing fine. I've I've been to town doing some stuff, and uh, I just had a little stroke. No, no step or stepper. 
And uh, I guess there's no such thing as a minor stroke, but I think that's probably what I had. I've had a couple of them. I'm, I'm doing as well as I can, Paul. I really am. Well, Coach, I mean, I, it, it's hard for any of us who have known you uh, these many, many years, and many have known you a little bit longer, to think of, of you being sick. You just, you're, you're, you're one of the healthiest-looking people uh, I've ever seen, and, and I know uh, yeah, you're, you're still out there uh, working, uh, doing things on your ranch, because that's what you love to do, isn't it? That's absolutely right, and I, I, in fact, I'm out doing some stuff right now, to tell you the truth. I'd come in and be where it was a little quieter was going to be on your show out in the country you don't always get good uh, uh, reception but anyway I, so I came to the house where I could talk to you good. Coach I, I mean I know it's uh, it's always somewhat frowned upon to talk about people's mm-hmm. age but but you're you're certainly past your mid 80s and uh, do, do you it, it, everyone deals with it at different ages and I guess it comes up because uh, you coach you I always felt like you could have coached a lot longer and, and, and you know people make a big deal about you know uh, Saban being 70 and Bobby Bowden uh, coaching until his late 70s and and Paterno even even longer how does it affect a coach when you start reaching b- well, various milestones first of all I'm 86 and uh I thoroughly enjoyed my time at Alabama. I just felt like it was somebody else's chance to coach at Alabama. Uh, physically, uh, I could have done the job. You know, you, you tire out a little, a little quicker than you used to, but other than that, I'm fine. I, I could still coach whether or not I could be on the field uh, during practice for all the time that I did. That would be a little hard for me. I could handle the games all right. I bet you could. Well, Coach, I have to ask you, because um, we haven't talked to you in a while, but so much is happening in, in college sports. And you, you have been one that has always been true to your beliefs and to the infrastructure and principles of, of the way this game was developed. Uh, what are your thoughts on where we are right now uh, with, with NIL and uh, the, the exploding expansion? Just some overall thoughts on the game of college football. Well, uh, you know, the thing that... We, you used to be put on probation for it. Now it's legal. <laughs> and uh, you, you, you can just buy a player. I'm really opposed to that. Somewhere along the line, we got to realize you go to college for an education. Education is never mentioned. It's whether or not he's going to be transferring from this school to that one and how much eligibility he's going to lose. What about the hours he's going to lose? But somewhere along the line, we, we still got to realize we go to college get an education, not play football. But, Coach, now that we are in this new era, and it's about a, about a year and two months old, a year and one month old, uh, there doesn't seem to be any putting it back. We had uh, Tommy Tuberville on yesterday, who, as you know, is now a United States senator, and they're working on it. But it, but it, it seems like the, the ship has already sailed, hasn't it? Well, we don't need the Congress to get involved in college football. That's that's a personal opinion. I know Tommy, and I, I know him well, and he's going to do a good job as a senator. But uh, this is an athletic director's uh, uh, thing that they've got to settle on and do what's best for not only their school, but what's best for college football. And the athletic directors can do that better than anybody. Coach, as somebody who was a coach uh, at a number of places from Texas A&M, obviously uh, we know your Alabama uh, history very well. Uh, if you had a player 
making a couple of million dollars a year. I realize times are different, but you could do the math, and it's still a lot of money, whatever it was uh, when, when you were the coach. Uh, how, what kind of strains does that put on you and your staff in trying to, to communicate with that player? Extremely hard. I mean, uh, it, it's not impossible, but it's next to impossible. I will say this. I'm glad that I'm not coaching in this day and time where you've got to deal with all the things that they have to deal with. But you go talk about you're going to give a player $2 million. How are you going to tell him not to do that? And yet, you know, it's not in the best interest of the football team for somebody to be generating all that money and the rest of them not. Uh, but I would be opposed uh, to paying the player just like I was back when I was coaching. We're talking to Coach Gene Stallings, and you know, we, we talk so much often about you know, your role at Alabama. I think uh, we probably don't give enough credit to your role as a uh, as a regent uh, or trustee at, at Texas A&M. And uh, I'll say it. Uh, but you played a big role uh, in helping bring Texas A&M to the Southeastern Conference. And uh, I, I know how dear that school is to you as well. And it, it's, uh, a friend of mine sent me some pictures of some of the new development out there. And it's, it's mind-blowing what's happening in College Station. It really is. And uh, uh, the, the good decision for Alabama to go into the SEC, A&M to go into SEC, and it's, it's good for college football and it's good for everybody. But along with, with all those pluses, there's somewhere along the line there got to be some minuses. And uh, when you go to talking about buying a player, uh, you know, I, I, I'm still opposed to that. But somewhere along the line, when it's legal and everybody else is doing it, somewhere along the line, you, you've got to get the player and you've got to do what your, your opposition is doing. Coach Stallings, so many uh – People uh, in recent months, uh, almost all the major coaches have talked about how this is not a sustainable model. Uh, I know how you feel, but what do you think? It, where, where do you think the disconnect is going to come, and how is it going to to affect the game moving forward? Long past when when you and I are talking together about college football. Well, it's a whole lot easier to go forward than it is to go backwards. I I, I agree with you. I, how are you going to stop it? Once that once that uh, sled gets rolling, it's awfully hard to stop it. Somewhere along the line, we got to realize that you go to college for an education. You don't go to college to play football. And maybe we're going to have to pay the player if he makes all A's or something like that. But somewhere along the line, we got to we got to realize as as students of the game, as coaches and athletic directors, the game is still for the player. I understand that. Somewhere along the line, we've got to use good judgment. Coach, before you go, I want to talk about uh, maybe the favorite subject I've ever had discussions with you about, and, and that's your son, Johnny, who we lost a couple of years ago. Uh, and uh, it's hard to think about you without thinking about him and, and the indelible impression and, and legacy that he made. Uh, and I know you continue to work uh, in, in the Tuscaloosa community and many other places. Uh, trying to raise awareness and especially money in his honor. Oh, my, my life wouldn't have been nearly as rich if it wasn't for the fact that I had the privilege of helping raise a child that had special needs. Uh, Johnny loved football. He, he knew all the players. He knew all the coaches. Even in professional football, he knew Coach Landry and, and uh, 
fact, uh, one of the stories I enjoy telling when he's going to meet Coach Landry, I was telling him how to do it. I said, Johnny, we're going to go in. Coach, you just room and meet Coach Landry. And he'll say, glad to meet you, Coach Landry. And when he saw Coach Landry, first thing he said was, hi, Tom. So anyway. <laughs> That's so great. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a great story of mine. But, yeah, my, my life wouldn't have been nearly as rich. If it, now, we, I didn't think so when he was first born. I was just devastated. But the thing that I felt like was the worst thing that ever happened to me turned out to be the best. Uh, he he loved the player. He knew every player's name. Uh, you can't imagine how many things, not only in the Alabama area, but it's named after him, uh, stadiums and, and football fields and everything else. So he has really made his little mark in life. Coach, I, I, I mean, I... I... Nobody knows uh, what's ahead, but but I, I don't think I, there will ever be a moment uh, in in my career or anybody's career that I know that that will be more special than you. Uh, you know, the, the shot of you being carried off the field uh, in New Orleans after uh, winning the national championship against Miami, and and the smile on on Johnny's face. I know you've seen it since then, but you were a little busy at the time. Uh, that that is something that will become that has always been one of the greatest parts of Alabama history, and that's saying a great deal considering uh, the coach you played for in college and, and worked under later on, and uh, in many ways was, was your mentor. And I'm, of course, I'm talking about Paul Bryant. Right, well, we were in a little room together, just the two of us, right after that game, and it was a big game. I understand that, but Johnny looked at me and he said. Good job, Bob. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. That's all he said about winning that game. Good job, Bob. Well, just like I was the guy that won it. Yeah, well, you you know, Coach, uh, you 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 played a pretty big role, uh, and uh, nobody will ever forget that. And uh, we will hopefully have many more of these conversations. Stay well, and uh, we really appreciate you making time for us. Paul, I remember when you came to College Station. That was a big deal. You, you the, the. uh, lots of people turned out to hear you down in College Station. I was one of them. And uh, they really have an appreciation for you, not only in the Southeastern Conference, but at uh, A&M as well as Alabama. We appreciate what all you've done for college football. Coach, you be well, and I, I hope to see you soon. Uh, take care of yourself, and best to all your family. Les, it's always a joy to be on your show. and You all are any time. I'm never too busy to be on Paul Five Mob Show. Ray Maliazzi here for eBay Motors. Okay, easy now. You're teaching your kid how to parallel park. Ouch! (laughs) Turns out he likes to do it by feel. (laughs) Don't worry, eBay Motors has bumpers, taillights, trunk lids, license plate holders, 122 million parts. Pull up just a little bit. And headlights. (laughs) They've got lots of headlights. Get the right parts at the right prices. eBay Motors. Let's ride. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? Ah, starting trouble. No one likes that. We'll get you set up for some stronger starts. You might just need a fresh charge, and we'll take care of that free of charge. But if it is time for a new battery, we've got replacement batteries that'll fit your needs, starting at just $69.99. You can learn more about our battery selection at AutoZone.com. That's what makes us America's number one battery destination. Get in the zone, Claim based on data from the NPD Group 2021. This is Bart and Hahn. If they go 500 within their division, that's a plus. So over <laughs> under. Eight. 
I'm going to go over just simply over. because I believe that, you know, Josh McDaniels, and you know, I've never been a Patriot fan, never been a, a huge Josh McDaniels fan, but he was 34 years old. He was given that opportunity. I believe he's 42 or 44 years old. You learn a lot, and it's not often that you get a second lease on life, a second chance. He's got a second chance. A couple years ago, you re- I thought he passed up a great opportunity to coach the coach. Indianapolis Colts. But, you know, a couple of years later, he understands that his time is now and he won't get a third opportunity. And I think he makes the most of it. I just don't know if that yields the results that are the expectations. Just, they spent a lot of money. To I focus. love their offense. I love their offense. They got a great building. They got a great fan base. There's a lot of vibe going on right now with that organization. Bart and Han. Weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Plus. We only got what we get. The PGA Tour FedEx Cup Playoffs are coming to ESPN+. Plus. The chase for the ultimate prize begins with three tournaments and three weeks to settle it all. With ESPN+, Plus, you'll get exclusive access to four unique feeds every day of each tournament, including the main feed, featured groups, featured holes, and marquee groups. The PGA Tour FedEx Cup Playoffs on ESPN+, Plus begin August 11th. Sign up now at ESPNPlus.com slash golf. ESPN, in partnership with Peyton Manning's Omaha Productions, presents Not Just Football with Pittsburgh Steelers defensive end Cam Hayward. This is not me putting down anybody. Players, coaches, new media, old media. This is just a different version. Hopefully it's a better version. But I've learned from the media. But uh, this is going to be a long season. Listen to Not Just Football with the Steelers' Cam Hayward wherever you get your podcasts. As summer rolls on, football rolls in, and ACC Network is hitting the road. 14 schools, 14 stops. Come ride with us on the road to kickoff. Go to every ACC school. It is so much fun. ACC Football Road Trip continues through August 18th on ACCN and streaming live on the ESPN app. The 2022 U.S. Open Tennis Championships. You never know what awaits on the world's grandest stage. Because here, the greatest city and the greatest fans fuel the greatest performances you'll ever see. Here, you can be more than a witness to the spectacular. You can be a part of it. The U.S. Open Tennis Championships, August 29th through September 11th. Tickets on sale now at usopen.org. The U.S. Open Spectacular Awaits. Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Max. I was driving in this morning. I pull up, it's around 4.45, and literally right up next to me, there pulls like a car of like three girls right near, they had to be coming from some kind of spot. They can tell they're dancing. I got my music, I got my windows up. Right? You're go- they're coming back from the spot you're going to I'm work. I'm going to work, right? <laughs> yeah, I got the music bumping. I'll say I'm happily married, right? Third kid on the way, but... And see if I still got it, right? So they look at me, and then one of the girls points because windows down the back to the back, and I got I got future on. I'm talking about I'm in I'm in that kind of space. New gym. The girl points towards the back, and I was like, Oh, what's she put? And I turn around, I forgot. I got my daughter's purple car seat <laughs> in the back, and I'm like, Damn, washed. <laughs> you went from future to past. Forget about blasting future, blast past. GJ and Max, followed by Greeny. Mornings on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.
This is SportsCenter. I'm Ed Bankin. After leaving Thursday's game with back problems, Clayton Kershaw is headed to the injured list. The Dodgers left-hander is 7-3 on the season with a 2.66 ERA. He left with back issues. He was on the injured list earlier in the season with inflammation in his pelvic joint. Kershaw has dealt with back issues throughout his career. Meanwhile, the West-leading Dodgers will take on the new-look Padres tonight in Los Angeles. Also, the battle atop the NL East is about to get underway. The Mets are hosting the Braves in New York, holding a four-and-a-half game lead of the division after a win over Atlanta last night. Interleague action taking place in St. Louis between the Cardinals and the Yankees. St. Louis currently tied with Milwaukee for first place in the NL Central and tied with Philadelphia for the last wildcard spot. The Phillies getting set to host the Nationals. NFL training camps continue. Rams quarterback Matthew Stafford is still dealing with elbow soreness. ESPN's Jeff Darlington says the team isn't overly concerned, even with the season opener just over a month away. I think that this is a scenario where ultimately they are putting him on a program to make sure that he's healthy for 18 weeks. And ultimately, I don't think that they have the utmost concern. He is still throwing in seven-on-sevens and individuals. It's just team drills for now that he's sitting out of that season opener is set for September 8th against the Bills. Meanwhile, Deshaun Watson continues to get the majority of first-team reps at Browns training camp. Cleveland coach Kevin Stefanski said he will wait and see what happens with the NFL's appeal of Watson's six-game suspension before altering plans for work with his quarterbacks. Today, the NFL Players Association filed its reply brief. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. We are having this conversation. Is Trevor Lawrence going to turn into a top 10 quarterback like i want to start having that conversation about the new york giants quarterback get more from the guys monday morning at 6 eastern on espn radio and on espn 2 This is Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. We made it to Friday, y'all. We have had a long week of serious topics, tough stories. We even had an NFL football game, kind of, in there. We're going to get to a couple of those stories, touch on the latest, but we have a lot of fun planned for today as well. I even have a pop quiz for Courtney. She has no idea what it is. It's just slated in the segment as quiz. Uh, so are you nervous, Courtney? A hundred percent nervous. I have no idea what's coming my way. I've heard that our producer, Ben, has already failed this quiz, and my brain is fried from being on a field at training camp. So uh, I don't know what you're going to get coming out of my mouth today, Sarah. There you go. It's Sarah's Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.